But I do want to share with you quickly uh, a message today uh, called Light of the World. So if you've got your Bibles today or you got your phone or your iPad, whatever it is that you look at your Bible, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. Um, I'm mostly going to be in the New Living Translation today for this main passage. Uh, this story that we're going to read today actually comes just after the birth of Christ. So uh, I'm going to set you up here. You're going to see it, but it's going to be eight days after the birth of Christ. And so here's what it says in Luke 2, uh, verse 21. It says, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. One quick little note I think is very interesting that has nothing to do with the message, but I just think it's cool. They didn't name their babies until eight days later. The Jews didn't. I think that's kind of a neat deal. You get eight days to kind of see if you like the kid or not. Um, see if you really want to name it. We had this dog that showed up at our house and I would refuse to name the dog because uh, I didn't want to keep it. And now his name is Duster, and so um, she still lives at our house. So let's skip down. Uh, the, so basically, verses 22 through 24 is the dedication of Christ at the temple. And verse 25 is where I want to kind of pick right back up. It says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Uh, now, now notice that real quick. He's waiting on the Messiah to come rescue Israel. Again, most people in those days, they're looking for the Messiah to come and win some kind of battle against the Roman Empire, right? They want to rescue Israel. They're not necessarily thinking about other stuff, the spiritual aspect of what the Messiah would do. So he's looking for him to rescue Israel. And, and then it says the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Let me just pause right there. And what we're going to do today is just kind of pause throughout this, this passage and point a couple of things out. So the first thing I want to point out is that he says, uh, I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Jesus is salvation for all people. And we need to understand that today. Sometimes I still think, I know as a pastor, we say this a lot. Um, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine the other day, and, and we were talking about the shepherds, and he was asking me some questions about the shepherds. And he said, we always give shepherds down the road like they were terrible people. He said, but I just feel like they're, they're just normal people. And I said, exactly. That's what it is. The shepherds are normal people because Christ came for normal people. He did come for the bad, sure, the sinner. Yes, the Bible says he came to seek and save that which was lost. He didn't come just for the religious or the pious. He didn't come for the, the people that were in charge or the rich. He came for all of us, for all the normal people. And so we need to get that in our heads sometimes whenever we think we're not good enough, when we think that, that God doesn't love us, when we think that, that, that somehow we are you know so bad, we need to remember that, that Simeon said that I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. As I was even writing this and looking through the scripture, I thought about someone being lost at sea. And, and maybe you've watched um, the, the movie Castaway. Anybody remember Castaway with Tom Hanks and, you know, the beard and Wilson and all the things, right? And, um, and, and I remember watching Castaway. I, I saw it not too long ago and and he's out there and he's on this makeshift raft and he's out in the middle of the ocean and he loses Wilson, the, the volleyball, and he's screaming and crying for Wilson. And, and he's laying there and there's like a whale underneath him. And I thought this would be 
the worst feeling in the world for me. Like this would be one of my greatest nightmares is to be stuck in the middle of the ocean. At least when he was on an island, he had the island. But now he's out in the middle of the ocean and there's nothing around him and his, his raft is breaking apart. And then all of a sudden a big ship comes by and rescues him. And it got me to thinking about our salvation and what does that mean to, to be saved. Whenever we are without Christ, it's like being in the middle of the ocean with everything falling apart. We've lost everything that we hold dear and we're just laying there hoping that someone's coming to rescue us. And I like the way that Simeon says that salvation has already been prepared. That from the beginning of the world, God was preparing Christ for me and for you, no matter what we went through. Luke uh, 2.32 says this, He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people Israel. Right off the bat, that shows us He is the light of the world. He is a light to the nations. The the word nations there is also translated in some places as Gentiles. So in other words, right from the beginning, eight days old, Simeon is saying He is not just for the Jews, He's for the Gentiles. He's not just for the people of Israel. He's for Gabriel and Alabama also. He's for everybody around the world. The calling of Christ is not just um, for a certain group of people. It's for all people. And he says this, the light has a purpose. He says he is a light to reveal God. He's not just a guru or a prophet or a teacher. He's not just here to show you a way to God. He's not just here to show you a, a better path. He's here to show you God himself. And so many people today are looking for God. I was saw this little video clip the other day of Oprah Winfrey, and she was on stage and she said, I just want you to know that I am a Christian. She said, I believe in Jesus Christ. And she said, and I believe he is a way to God. And there are a variety of ways that you can get to God. And I support you in whatever way you choose. Now, for us, that's like, man, I can't believe Oprah would say that. You didn't really think she was a Christian, did you? Um, uh, that should have been obvious. But, but here's the thing that I think this is the common mindset in our world today is that there is a variety of ways and whatever way you choose is, is best for you. And, and Jesus came to be the revelation of God to us. He's not just a guru. He is God. And, and here's the cool thing about that. When the Bible says that he is the light of the world, if you flip over to Matthew chapter 5, he puts that same responsibility on us. As Christians, if we've adopted Christ, if we've brought Christ into our life, if we have submitted ourselves to him, then all of a sudden, not only do we submit to his life, we submit to his calling as well. And so we also are like, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Can I tell you something today? Whenever we do the candlelight thing, it's not just to have a pretty service. It'll be cool and it'll be great pictures and, and, and we'll look around the room and it'll be so neat to see all the lights in here. But listen, that's not what it's about. Part of it is about showing us what it's like to be a Christian. And that is we don't just take our light. I don't just take my candle and this is my candle and I hold on to my candle and I hoard my candle and I hide my candle because I'm embarrassed of the light a little bit. And it's not about that. It's about me taking that same light and I share it with everyone around me. I pass the light around. And one of the things we're going to see today is you're going to see that light spread. And the whole point of Christ coming to the world was not to give you something to hold on to. It was to give you a gift that you could re-gift to everyone around you. 
It was to give away what he's already given to you. And so today when we do that, it's going to be a symbol of what Christ wants us to do. And that is share that light. And sometimes that, that word nations is overwhelming. And we get overwhelmed with the idea that, that I've got to share, the, share Christ with the nations. But in Acts chapter 1, the Bible gives us kind of a, a plan. It says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Notice that it says this, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It gives us three different places to share him. It says in Jerusalem. Jerusalem in the city, in Judea, Samaria, in the, in the country, and then to the ends of the earth. For some of us that may feel overwhelmed today with the idea of, I've got to share Christ with the whole world. Listen, it doesn't have to be with the whole world. It can be with the whole world, or it can start here in your country, or it can start in your neighborhood, or it can start with your next door neighbor. The gospel is given to us, the light is given us to share one at a time. Today, whenever I take this candle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start lighting up the front row. I'm just going to do one person at a time. And then that person's going to light one person at a time. And as we do that one person at a time, eventually the entire room is reached with the light. I want to encourage you this Christmas season. Don't make Christmas just about opening presents. Don't make Christmas just about a tree and a fat man in a red suit. Make Christmas about sharing the light with those around you. One person at a time. Some of you guys are in school and in your students, whether you're in college or high school or middle school, or some of you are in elementary school. And listen, let me tell you something. It's important that you share Christ, but you don't have to stand up on your lunchroom table and hold a Bible open and scream at people. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is find that one kid in school that nobody likes, that one kid in school that everybody picks on, that one kid in school that's kind of weird and kind of awkward, and you go talk to that one kid in school. You shine your light to that one kid. Instead of making fun of that kid and putting out your light, go shine a light to that kid. Go help the people around you. Let's get back to the scriptures. Verses 33 and 34, it says this. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. I want to focus right there on that last little sentence. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. A couple of things I want you to notice. Uh, the, The word there for sign literally means a target to shoot at. In other words, he's, uh, Simeon says that this Christ, this young baby right here is going to grow up and he's going to have a target on his back. He is being sent as a target for the enemy to fire at. But it also means um, it also means a sign like like to show you the way to something. So for many, he's a target to reject and a target to fire against. But for many of us, it's a sign of escape. It's a sign of um, like that exit sign right there and right there. If we were to have a fire in this room, in this building today, everyone would know exactly where to go because you've got a sign for salvation. Jesus is that same sign. He's that same sign, but we got to understand that he's also going to be rejected. And if he's rejected as the light, then guess what? We get rejected as the light too. And we can't expect that everybody's going to love our message. We can't expect that everybody's going to love the fact that, that we're shining a light. Because sometimes whenever you shine a light on stuff, it's not always good, right? It's not always good. And so, so, um, so whenever we shine a light, we need to understand that people are going to reject us. And our path uh, of Christianity is not always going to be fun. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this. He said, the path of Christianity is narrow and not a lot of people follow it. Sometimes it can get kind of lonely. 
And we need to understand that. Verse 35 says this, as a result of him being the light and being the sign, it says the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. How many of you know this? A light exposes things. I don't know what kind of parent you are if you're a parent today. I'm not a great parent. Uh, My kids would attest to that. Uh, Whenever it's time to wake them up for school, um, I'm not the parent. Like my wife will go into the room and she will lay down in the bed next to my children, especially like as as they were as they were um, younger. She would lay down next to them and she would stroke their little heads and she would say, it's time to wake up, you know, get up, little angel. When dad walks in the room, I flip the light switch on and say, it's time to get up, boy, get out of bed. Let's go. Right. Like. I'm not, I know I'm not great. And as soon as I flip on that light, you would think my kids are all vampires. <laughs> you know, their face just contorts and the light burns their eyes and they cover up really fast. And so, so I, I'm good about just flipping that light on. And sometimes what happens is whenever Christ shows up, uh, whenever the truth shows up, it's like a light that reveals things. And sometimes we're not quite ready for the light. Some people reject the light. My kids reject the light and they reject me because of it, Right. They reject both of us together because I'm the one shining the light. They don't like it. But the fact is we need the truth in our life. We need the truth in our life. We need the light of Christ to shine in our life. My wife is not here this morning. She's watching online. Um, She just had surgery on Thursday. She had a surgery that, um, you know, whatever. And so um, when she when. I never know, I never know like how detailed. Here's the problem. She's watching online like that's the problem. Now, if she's taking some kind of pain medicine, I can probably get away with more stuff. But chances are she's pretty sober right now, and I'm going to get in trouble if I start giving details on everything. But, but my wife had surgery, and, and in that, one of the things that they do is they're going to come in with a very bright light. Why? Because they want to see everything that they're doing. And whenever they come in with that bright light, they pull out the scalpel. And that's not always fun. That's not always fun, but it's necessary to remove the things in your body that need to be removed. If you have a tumor or you have a cancer or you have an issue that's causing you pain and it needs to be removed, listen, I'm not going to reject it because I think it's going to hurt. I'm not going to reject it because it's too bright and too exposed. And being at the hospital, you're very exposed. You're You're at your very worst, but the light shines even at your very worst. We're not used to that in life. We're used to filters, right? Like, like every time someone takes a picture, uh, I, I know, I know with my family, my, my wife's side of the family, they love to take pictures. Now my, my, my side of the family, we never take pictures. I don't think, you know, we'll, we'll all die and there'll be no record that we ever lived. But my wife's side of the family, there's gonna be tons of records of living. Like we're going to have all the pictures. And, and so at Thanksgiving time, it's like everybody's got to take a picture on this swing and, and we all got to get our picture, but you can't just get a picture anymore. Now you got to filter the picture. You got to get the, the picture touched up on your phone. And, and now you don't even do that, but now you get AI to do it because that's where we all live is in a Terminator movie. And, and so Skynet is now filtering our pictures for us. And, and so we get that done. And, and, and my sister-in-law does the picture and she shows us the picture. And when she shows us the picture, my picture was perfect. I looked exactly the same. There's not a whole lot AI can do with this, right? But, but all of my kids, all of them got jet black hair, even Colt. 
And then, and then they all got like some kind of eyeliner on, except one of my kids got one huge eye and one little eye. So the filter did not work. It turned us into a freak show, except for me. And I looked like, I looked like the guy that runs the freak show. You know, I, I brought them all there. That's my sideshow. The idea is we're used to all these filters to try to make us look better. We were in the hospital and I told Perry, I said, she's getting ready for surgery and and you know how it is, you can't wear makeup and you can't, you know, do all these things and get fixed up and you're in a hospital gown and you're sitting there and I said, I'm going to take a picture of you and send it to the kids. And she was like, no, you're not. You know, like if you take that picture, I'm looking at it first before you send it out. I was like, no, 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 I got you. I got you. And um, I can filter this thing out. I did not. Um, but the idea is that's what we're used to in life. We're used to just covering everything up with the filter. Our life is bad. We're in debt. We're struggling in our marriage. We're struggling in our health. We, we have all these issues going on, and we just try to cover it up with a filter. We think if, as long as we can go buy the right car or have the right clothes or show up at the right place. And Jesus shows up with this light, and he shines bright, and he shines in our lives. And he exposes the deepest parts of our hearts. And people reject the light because they don't always want everything exposed. But we need that just like a surgery. David said this. He said, if there's anything in my heart that offends you, if there's anything in my heart that offends you, show it to me and we'll deal with it. I want to back up to Luke 2.34 one more time and then we'll, we'll end right here. Luke 2.34. It says, Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. When I was going through this, I came across that, and I thought, why would Jesus cause people to fall? I get it that he causes people to rise. That's great. Yeah, we, we, we get born again. We find Christ. Our life is transformed. Yes, that's wonderful. But what about the fall part? That didn't make a lot of sense to me, so I tried to study that. And at, in my study, one of the things I came across was Isaiah chapter 8. Verse 14, and, and here's what Isaiah eight fourteen says. It says, and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both the houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I started researching that and I was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And I started looking at it, but it says this, it says he's going to become two things. He'll become a sanctuary and a stone of offense. A sanctuary is a place of um, shelter. A sanctuary is a place of trust. A sanctuary is a place where I can go and hide and be protected. But it also says he will be a stone of offense. A stone that causes people to stumble. Now, Jesus said this about himself. He said, I'm either going to be the capstone, right? A foundation stone, a building stone, something you can build on. Or I will be a stumbling block. Something that you'll trip over and you'll fall on. And you'll be broken. And what happens in our world today is we don't want to build our life on Christ. We want to try to make Christ look like us. We want to try to make things feel good to us. But he becomes a stumbling block for people whenever we don't build our life on him. When he is not my foundation of everything that I do. Then I begin to stumble through life. I begin to stumble through, through life and I stumble over him. Because his, his life is what I need. But if I don't put him as my foundation, then it's going to become a stumbling block for me. So today what we're going to do is, is we're going to light some candles. I'm going to come back up in a few minutes after we sing. But during this candle lighting portion, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be thinking. 
Is he a foundation stone or is he a stumbling block? Is he a light that I'm allowing into my life to expose all the things that need to be taken out? Or am I rejecting the light? Is he a sign to salvation or is he a target for rejection? These are the things I want us to contemplate this morning as we begin to light these candles and and as we sing one last song. And as we do, I believe that God's going to speak to our hearts.